This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. With another hour of old-time radio crime, this is Case Closed, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week is The Pipe Dream from FBI and Peace and War. That episode aired April 3rd, 1952. After that, it's Rogues Gallery and Lady with a Gun. That story aired June 30th, 1946. The Armed Forces Radio Service presents the FBI in Peace and War. Now our story, The Pipe Dream. Where do you want me to begin? Well, suppose you tell me how they first talked you into accepting this, uh, this bribe. Yeah. They didn't talk me into it. I talked them. What? At least I thought I did. I had no idea that they... I was crazy. I had no idea about anything. All I knew... Yes? All I knew was I wanted Norma. And I could never keep her happy on a peer inspector's salary. Go on. It was stupid of me. I know that now. The whole thing was just a pipe dream. Only I didn't know that then. I wanted to keep Norma happy, and I was desperate trying to find a way. But you found it. Yes, sir. Guy in my position can if he has a mind to. Well, I had a mind to. And one day when the freighter Del Hierro docked for inspection, I knew I'd found it. Hello, Inspector. Come on in. Hello, Captain Weller. How are you? Can't complain. Had a pretty easy trip. Sit down. Take a load off your feet. How about a drink? Uh, sorry, not on duty. <laughs> That's something new, isn't it? Yeah, the chief says all inspectors have to keep on their toes these days. Nothing to drink while on duty. Oh, so? Uh-huh. The chief doesn't like the stories going around the waterfront. Reflects on the department, he says. Stories? You haven't heard? I've been away, Inspector. Yeah, that's right, you have. Well, seems there's stories going around about certain tobacco ships that are coming into port with extra cargo. This cargo doesn't weigh much, but it's mighty valuable stuff, they say. What kind of cargo, Inspector? Diamonds, uncut diamonds. Seems these diamonds are hidden in the tobacco folds of Havana Perfecto cigars. That's very interesting, Inspector, but why tell me? Oh, I don't know. You and I have been friendly for a long time. Just thought I'd tip you off before I hand in my report. I see. You've made up a report. Uh, yeah, I've been working on it for quite a while. Gives names and dates and methods of operation. One of the names is Captain Harry Weller. That's a rotten lie. Another name is the Rojas Tobacco Company. I said it's a lie. You can't prove a thing. Another name is the Freighter Del Hierro. You add them up and you've got a sweet little smuggling racket. The diamonds go from New Amsterdam to Cuba. Now listen, you... You better listen, Captain. From New Amsterdam to Cuba, then up to New York and the Perfecto Cigars. Cigars go directly to the Rojas Tobacco Company. Mr. Raymond Rojas, president. That enough, Captain Weller? What do you want? Well, I think for a reasonable percentage, I can forget about handing in my report. 
I see. Now go on, get out of here. What? You heard me, get out. All right, that's the way you want it. Get out. Sure. But I go direct from here to the chief's office. So far, the chief has only been hearing stories. Now he gets proof. You're not going to pull any squeeze on me. I've got nothing to hide. Suit yourself. I just wanted to be friendly, but you... Uh, Inspector. Yeah? How much cut? Well, I'm not a greedy man, Captain. Let's say a $1,000 bill for each box of cigars. $1,000 bill? For each box. That isn't greedy, is it? Okay, I'll talk it over with Senor Rojas. Sure, you do that, Captain. You talk it over with Rojas. Right ahead, Inspector. Well... That's the way I found to keep Norma happy. Very clever way, I thought then. I didn't know how foolish I was sounding when I told the captain to talk it over with Rojas. Didn't know what a ride they were starting to take me on. So it all worked out perfectly, eh, Captain? <laughs> he never saw anything like it. He walked right in like it was made to order. A big set. Respect, <laughs> my dear. You didn't give in too easily. Oh, not a chance. I gave him the full business, but he finally won me over. Beautiful, beautiful. And the only thing he wants is a $1,000 bill for every box we bring. That's it. Doesn't even amount to 10%. Captain Weller, my compliments, sir. Thank you, Senor Rojas. And as you say here in the United States, we have Inspector Matson exactly where we want him. Ah. Uh-huh. Local inspector accepts bribe. <laughs> you bet. Local inspector asks for hush money. Right where we want him. You did a fine piece of work, my friend. Hey, how about a posy or two for little Norma? And an excellent job you did too, my darling. After all, I gave six months of my life to get that soft head in the spot. We know. And if you think it's for laughs, working on a tightwad like the inspector, you're out of your mind. Uh, No laughs, my dear Norma. But it is going to be most rewarding. Ah, better. I think of the times I sat through double feature westerns with that goon. Uh, now, darling. And as for getting him to take me out to a night spot. But it uh, worked, Norma. And that would work. The inspector's in hock so deep he'll never get out. He owes more dough around town than he can pay back in ten years at his salary. Oh, we got him all right. I just hope it's worth it. It is, believe me. There are going to be plenty of police snooping around when those diamonds start flooding the market. We'll need Inspector Matson handy for protection. Especially when we start bringing the big stuff in. Precisely. So, my dear? Yeah, I know. So, I gotta keep on the job. Yeah. Just uh, for a few months more, Norma. Five or six shiploads, we'll all be sitting pretty. He's right, Norma. We sew up this deal and we can quit polite. Yeah. But a promise, right? It is. A solemn promise. Okay, in that case, I'll stay on the job. But honest, what I have to go through with that sap. Norm, I'm crazy about you, sugar. Will you marry me, sugar? Sugar, like I could murder him when he calls me that. I didn't know what a ride they were starting to take me on. All I knew was that Norma was the most wonderful girl in the world. I'd do anything for her. Anything, Matt? You know I would. I'm crazy about you, sugar. You know that, too? 
Yeah, Matt, I know. Come here, honey. <laughs> Stop it. You know, what's my hair? Okay. You don't want to hear something special. What special? A present? Oh, you're interested, huh? Hey, is it a present for me, Matt? Mm. Might say it was, sugar. Well, in that case... That's uh... more like it. Here, have a look at this. Go on, open the box. Hey, Matt. Like it, huh? Oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> it ought to be. Sent me back 900 bucks. 900? Sure, why not? Like I said to the salesman, my sugar wants a fancy bracelet to wear with a new suit. Never mind what it costs, my sugar wants it. Oh, but darling, 900, how can you afford it? Uh, that's uh, something special I have to tell you about. What? Remember, sugar, a couple of weeks ago I said I was working on a big proposition? Yeah, yeah. And remember what you said? Yeah, I think so. You said a girl couldn't think of getting married on an inspector's salary. A girl likes pretty things like, well, like this bracelet. Remember? Oh, Matt, what's the use of all this talk? Because, Sugar, I think my big proposition is going to pay off. Yeah? I think so, baby. Listen, I've been getting inside tips on the commodity market, buying tobacco futures. Tobacco futures? They're a Wall Street term. They made my first profit today, $1,000. Oh, Matt, that's terrific. And that's only the beginning. If I play it right, I can make twenty, maybe 30000 a year. Honest? You think a girl might be satisfied to get married on that kind of money? Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not promising anything, Matt. She might. Okay, that's all I want to know. I'll get that kind of money, sugar. You can count on it. Shepard, FBI, Washington, confidential. Diamond smuggling activity increasing rapidly in recent months. Request Bureau's cooperation in questioning of all harbor officials. Ray, cargo tie-up. Waiting word. Sandy Johnson, Chief Inspector, New York City. The Johnson, Chief Inspector, New York City. In reference to your communication, Bureau's cooperation in diamond smuggling operation, Agent Daly and the undersigned leaving for city immediately. We'll confer with all harbor officials on arrival. Sign at Shepard, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Well, that's about as much as I can tell you, gentlemen. If there's any illicit traffic going on, I don't see how it possibly could be filtering through my district. Uh-huh. Well, it's good of you to cooperate with us, Mr. Matson. Not at all. Chief Johnson said we were to help you in any way we can. I only wish there was something I could do. Of course. Frank, you didn't speak to the inspector about the tobacco tie-up yet, huh? No, I didn't get around to that, Chef. Tobacco tie-up? Yes, ever since the initial complaint was received from the Diamond Association, we've been on the lookout for the appearance of underpriced gems. It seems they only turn up after the cigar shipments come in. That's so. Naturally, it could be coincidental. Yes, it could be, but we don't want to overlook any angle. That's where you fit in, Inspector. Yes? You and all other inspectors and port officials. What we'd like you to do is, um... Oh, Frank, let me have that list again, will you? Right here, Chef. Ah, according to this list, Inspector, responsibility in your district includes, uh, let's see, uh, five ships carrying cargoes of tobacco. Is that correct? I believe so. The Caracas, Rio Torres, Nacional, Del Hierro, and the Gulf City. That's right. 
What we'd like you to do is keep a special eye on all these five ships. Let us know the minute anything seems out of line. May we count on you for that, Inspector? Well, of course. Agent Bailey and I will both be in town. You can reach us through your office anytime. Very well. Anything more, Frank? I think that covers it, Chet. All right, then, Inspector. We won't keep you any longer. Thanks very much for coming around. My pleasure, gentlemen. Shall I send in the next man? Oh, uh, if you please. Goodbye, Mr. Bailey. Bye. Shepard. Goodbye, Inspector. Well, Frank? I was watching his face when you said tobacco tie-up. He wasn't any too happy. He wasn't. Well, he may be on the level and he may not. Mills, the man who just walked out of here. Follow him. As I say, Frank, he may be on the level, he may not. But in either case... Yes? Well, in either case, I'd say Inspector Matson was a man that he watched. Sit down, Inspector. Sit down. Uh, you know, Captain Weather. Yes, indeed. How are you, Captain? A little jumpy, I'm afraid. Cigar, Inspector? Ray, for the love of Mike, let's cut out the social jabber and talk business. Sure, of course. I merely want the Inspector to feel he's among friends. Correct, Inspector? Yes, oh, I, I know that all right, Mr. Rohat. Uh, we are all in this enterprise together, Harry. We uh, want to know each other real well, don't we? Ray. All right, all right, Harry. This won't take much of your time, Inspector. Just a small matter, but I thought we would bring it to your attention. What did those FBI agents say to you the other day? FBI? Yeah. What did they say to you? Oh, you don't have to worry about them, Captain. Seems they're trying to find out something about this smuggling activity that's going on. Yes? If they want me to keep a special eye out for anything that seems out of line. Did they ask you anything about the Deli Arrow? No, we just talked in general terms. Believe me, you don't have to worry about a thing. I'm not so sure, Inspector. We might. We might unless you're willing to help us. Oh, what do you think I'm doing? We don't mean what you're doing. I don't understand. I'd put it, uh, how do you say, uh, bluntly. Inspector, we don't care to have the government this close to us. So the next shipment the captain brings in will be the last. Oh? Twenty-five boxes of hand-picked perfectos. Over a quarter million dollars. Quarter of a million? Over a quarter. And 25,000 of it for you. Now, here is the blunt part. We can't afford to risk removing the cargo in our usual way. We need an absolutely perfect method of getting by the FBI. I just told you. An absolutely perfect method, Inspector. We believe you are the way. What? You place the gems in your briefcase. You walk off the ship in the normal manner. Our cargo is removed. And no government agents the wiser. Precisely. Perfect, Inspector. You follow me? What is this? I wouldn't do anything like that, and you know it. You wouldn't, Inspector? No. You'll do it or you'll wind up in the pokey. Take your pick. Huh? You heard me. Now, listen, if you think... We do think, Inspector. I can already see the headlines in the paper. Government officer accepts bribe in smuggling case. Police receive anonymous call naming Inspector Matson. Now, now wait. You, you can't pull me in on this. You are in, Inspector. So far in, I don't see what else you can do, but... Cooperate. All you have to do is walk off that ship with your briefcase. There's nothing to it. And you get 25,000 crisp American bills. An absolutely perfect method, Inspector. You think it over, I'm sure you'll agree. And the more I thought it over, the more I realized they were right. 
But that was before I found out you people had a perfect method of your own. All right, Frank, put on the recording for the chief. Right. Well, Inspector, how's everything been in New York? Just fine, Captain. How was your trip? Successful. Very successful. I have a package of your favorite cigars ready and waiting. Perfecto cigars, Captain? <laughs> of course. With a thousand dollars worth of tobacco in every box. Well, that's all we were able to record, Chief. They moved into the next room out of Mike range. I see. And you really feel this is our man? You've seen the reports of our surveillance. How else can we feel? In addition, you just heard Matson's exchange with Captain Weller. And what could a thousand dollars worth of tobacco in every box mean except a bribe? Uh, this is awfully unpleasant news, Mr. Shepard. I'm sure it must be. I've looked at the employment record of the inspector. He's been with you a long time. Almost ten years. Difficult to believe. A quiet little man. It always is. But the evidence is very strong, Chief. Of course, all the facts aren't in yet, but with your permission, we're going to get them. How? The freighter Deliero is due back in port at the end of this week. We'd like to catch Inspector Matson in the act. You're going to let him stay on the job? I'm afraid we'll have to, Chief. Up to now, our evidence is only circumstantial. How far can you go before you stop him? All the way. The Deliero docks here on Friday afternoon. Just before then, we're going to force the inspector's hand. How do you mean? Let him find out our suspicions about his ship. That way, we'll bring him out in the open. You don't think it might have the opposite effect? How can it? His only alternative would be to make an arrest. We're sure he's in too deep to try anything like that. Well, I guess you're right. Well, I suppose all we got to do now is wait. That's right. Wait, and then force Inspector Matson's hand. In the afternoon, you let me find out your suspicions. It was the one worst moment in my whole life. All the rest of the day, I sat in a bar drinking, trying to figure some way out. And later, when Norma came to find me, I knew suddenly seeing her what I was going to do. Raha speaking. Ray, this is Norma. Yes, Norma. I'm coming over. We got trouble. What? A lot of trouble, Ray. Wait for me. I'm coming right over. Go on. What else? That's all. He said he's taking the stuff off the ship as he agreed, only he's not bringing it here to the company, but to the FBI. He is, is he? The inspector said he was going to do that? Yeah, yeah. You just sat there and let him talk? What did you want me to do? Hit him over the head? Keep your voice down. Let him talk. Well, to thank your lucky stars, he did. If he hadn't confessed all right, to me, all right. there was... This isn't helping us any. You're sure he hasn't talked to the police already? Of course, I'm sure. He knows you'd implicate him if he talked. That's why he figured this way out. He wants to clear himself all around. Norma. Yeah? We can't bring the diamonds in with this thing hanging over our heads. Now, isn't that real brainy? We've got to keep Inspector Matson from going to the FBI. Yeah, sure. We'll bind and gag him and toss him overboard. Yes, Norma. This is exactly what we will do. What? You have perhaps a better idea? Hey, now, wait a second. We got enough trouble. I'm not having any murder rap hanging over my head. Pick up your coat, Norma. Look, Ray, I, I was only kidding about... Pick that. up your coat. We are making a social call on Captain Weller aboard the Deliero. We're keeping Inspector Matson from going to the FBI. The 
when I told Norma I was going to the FBI, I, I felt terribly relieved. If the diamonds turned in, all police pressure would be removed. The smuggling ring would believe I'd simply been caught in the act. But I didn't know what was waiting for me when I went on board the Del Yarrow. I drank the drinks that Captain Weller poured, waited with him for Mr. Rojas and the diamonds. Say when? When, 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 when? <laughs> I'm turning the handsprings now. What is this rum anyway? 500 proof? <laughs> sure. Those Cubans, they really turn it on. What time is it? Why isn't Rojas here? He'll be along. Hey, you're taking an awful chance moving this stuff off. At least he could do is get her on time. I know. He's bringing the 25000 with him, isn't he? That was the deal. Yeah, it was. Good. It's important I get paid in advance. You know what, Captain? What? <laughs> I bet you were surprised when I said I was going through with it. I bet oh, for the love of Mike, stop talking so much, will you? You're getting in my hair. Well, what's the matter? What did I say? Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> i tell you something, Captain. Trouble with you is... What's the matter? Oh, That last drink hit me like a ton of bricks. You're okay. Just haven't eaten yet. Yeah, maybe that's it. Why does... Oh, there he is. Let him in. I will. Uh, you uh, just drink your drink. Hello, Captain. <laughs> what time you got here? The captain and I have been getting stinkle. So I see. I'm taking an awful chance moving this stuff out, you know. Yeah, I saw you said five times already. Oh, yeah. Harry, everything set? Just about. Sure, all set. Just hand over my 25000 I didn't bring it. Huh? I didn't bring the 25000 and you're not taking the stuff out. Been a change of plans. Change of plans? Why? Why? But I don't see much sense in letting you take our diamonds to the FBI. Do you? What? Ray, cut horsing around. Let's get this thing over with. What are you talking about, the FBI? Ray. All right, Harry. Just as soon as that sedative takes effect. What sedative? Just a little sleep inducer, Inspector. You've been swallowing it for the last half hour. I've been. Now sit down, you. I said sit down. What is this? Just what you think it is. End of the line, Inspector. The last crossing, you might call it. Come on, Ray. Grab him out of the other arm. Let go of me. Take it easy and I'll pass out quicker. What are you doing? You aren't doing anything, Inspector. But you, you're going for a swim. What? A swim. It's a nice takeoff spot on the stern, just right for a man overboard accident, Ray. I haven't. No, wait. You shouldn't have crossed this, Inspector. That was a mistake. I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't. No. I swear I didn't. If you're lying, Inspector, or she is. What? She, Sugar, Norma. One of you's lying. Let's move, Frank. Norma? She's right in the next cabin. We'll ask her. Norma told you? That's right, Inspector. You've been taken for the big ride all the way. No. Open up, Harry. Let him see for himself. Okay. Look, sucker. Norma. Go on, Sugar. Say something. Can't believe his eyes. Shut up, Harry. What? You too, Ray. Shut up. Say, who do you think you're talking Both about? Both of you, for the love of Pete, will you shut up? That's good advice, Captain. What? Good advice. I'd take it if I were you. Listen, what is this? Who let this clown on my ship? This is an arrest, Captain. I'm an agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But if this is some joke, senor. Yeah, it is. Some joke. They've been following Matt, Ray. They heard everything from right in here. 
Ray, you take the inspector on deck. I'll take care of it. Sorry, Captain. I should have told you. There are six other agents spread out all around. You crazy fool. You almost killed me. Come along quietly and that won't happen. Frank, take care of the inspector. Right. You coming, Norma? You don't have anything on me. We'll find that out at headquarters. Rojas? I'm coming. You know, Captain, you were right about the end of the line. This is the last crossing. In view of the evidence obtained against Captain Weller, Ramon Rojas, Norma Wilson, and Inspector Matson, it was decided to press separate charges against each of the defendants. For their attempt on the life of the inspector, the trio was convicted and sentenced to 20 years each. Inspector Matson, for turning state's evidence, received a four-year term. Thus, your FBI closes its files on a grim event that almost made reality of the pipe dream. FBI and Peace and War came to you through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. W. Fitch Company presents Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. Clap a while, let a song be your style. Use Fitch Shampoo. Don't despair, use your head, save your hair. Use Fitch Shampoo. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo and Ideal Hair Tonic, presents Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. Rogue speaking. There is something about being happy that I like. And I couldn't have been any happier than I was that night if somebody had been tickling me with a feather. I had a date with Betty Callahan, and the way I feel about Betty hasn't been covered by a word yet. But it's a very dandy way to feel, and I was reveling in it as we sat there in the Club Cuba, drinking our after-dinner coffee and grinning at each other. I was quite annoyed when a gentleman with outraged dignity lurched over, drew up a chair, and made himself unwelcome at our table. Oh, that you are Richard Rowe, the investigator. Oh, that's right. Why don't you go back to your own table? I uh, just want to tell you, Rose, that I consider your way of making a living despicable. 
Mm. No, thank you very much. Now, Richard, don't start a scene. Look, uh, mister, why don't you go away? You wouldn't like to have me call the captain and have you dragged away, would you? Oh, no, no. I have a few things to say before I leave, Rogue. I understand that my wife has retained your services to spy on me and sneak around after me. Mm. Sit down, Richard. He's been drinking. Yeah, uh, okay, honey. Look, mister, will you please go away? We don't like you. Go away, Scat. Go away, go away. Oh, look. You know me, and I know what you're doing here. I just want to tell you, Rogue, that my wife means a great deal to me. I don't even know your wife. I don't care anything about your private life as long as you leave it someplace away from this table. <laughs> Going to lie about it, huh? Haven't even got nerve enough to admit that you're sneaking around watching me. Okay, okay. <laughs> Manual. Oh, Manual. Yes, Mr. Rogue. Will you take this creep away before I see whether those vitamin pills I've been taking really work? Take him away, will you? Of course. Yelling for help, huh, Rogue? Yellow, huh? Well, I'll oh. show you. Here, Mr. Oh. Webb, Mr. Webb. Let go of me. I'll kill him to sneak him Come on, come on, come on Betty. Let's get out of here before I lose my temper and nail that guy. I'd never seen him before. He looked like a nice little man, but he didn't look like he could poke his way out of a mosquito net. As we got a cab, I looked at Betty. She was blushing like a June groom, and her little lower lip was pushed out in that cute way, which indicated that she was going to tell me just what she thought of me and my profession as soon as she could control herself. Well, she did. It was early, but Betty wanted to go home, so I took her there. Then I went to my apartment. In the hall, I met a woman waiting for me, a beautifully turned-out woman, well-kept 35, with a baby face. And the full mouth drooped at the corners. Mr. Rogue? Yes. Uh, yes. You waiting for me? Yes. Mm, well, how nice. Uh, just a moment. Won't you come in? Thank you. Uh, have a chair. Have uh, Have we met before? No, I don't believe we have, Mr. Rogue. I've always admired you, though. I've always admired your work. Well, well thank you. And now, just what is it you wanted to see me about? About my husband. Oh. He's... Uh, oh, he's uh, found a new interest. Yes. Well, uh, well, I suppose you tell me. What's your name, by the way? I'm Mrs. Webb. Mrs. Matt Webb. Webb. Oh, Webb. Oh, well, I'm beginning to see the light. Tell me, uh, has your husband a bad disposition and delusions of grandeur? My husband? Well, he... I, uh, I just met him. He said that you'd retained me for some reason which you didn't explain. Why did you tell him that? I want to retain you, Mr. Rogue. Look at this. Huh? Oh, come on over here under the light. Hmm. Bill for a fur coat, $5,000. I want to know who my husband bought that coat for, Mr. Rogue. I'll pay you well for finding out. Oh, I'm really sorry, Mrs. Webb, but I don't get mixed up in domestic difficulties. There are plenty of detectives, though, who will take your case. You won't take it? No, I, I really won't. I'm much too busy. But, Good but, night, Mrs. Webb. Mr. Rogan. I'm I... sorry, Mrs. Webb. I'm tired. I, I don't take domestic cases. Uh, thanks for dropping in, but now, good night. I have to get some sleep. Good night, Mr. Rogue. Now, what's the idea of calling me? It's I, Richard. Betty. And it's 10 o'clock. Oh. Oh. Well, hello, Angel. I I wasn't quite awake, you know. Never mind. 
I have news for you. Yeah? Your friend, Matt Webb. Remember him at the club last night? Sure. What about him? Well, he was found dead in his car this morning, parked in the Hollywood Hills. Shot. No kidding, huh? I just left Lieutenant Urban. He's in charge of the case for homicide. He knows about your argument with Matt Webb last night. Well, he doesn't think I did it, does he? Well, no, but... Oh, there's somebody at the door. How about lunch? Oh, all right. Noon at the Derby? Suits me. So long, honey. Keep your shirt on. I'm coming. I'm coming. Oh. Oh, hello, Urban. Come in. Thanks, Rogie. I don't know anything about it. Don't even know the guy. You're talking about Matt Webb, I suppose. Sure. Who else? Don't tell me you just dropped in here for a cup of coffee. How did you know Webb was dead? Did I say he was dead? Pull up a chair. Cigarette? No. What do you know about Webb, Rogue? Nothing. I I met him at the Club Cuba last night. He wanted to beat my brains out because I was an investigator. Seems he had a strange idea that his wife had retained me to follow him. Okay, Rogue, talk your brains out. But you can't talk away the fact that Webb is dead and you had a beef with him. Sure, but I don't know anything about this case, Urban. It's early in the morning and while you You have a genius for getting all mixed up in things you don't know anything about, haven't you, Rogie? I don't get sore. Okay. I'm not sore. Just because I meet a guy who doesn't like investigators and his wife tries to hire me to find out who he bought a fur coat for and he turns up dead. That oh. uh, wife angle is interesting, Rogie. Get dressed. Why? Mrs. Webb didn't mention any fur coat when I went out to see her this morning. She didn't. Maybe she's got some more little secrets. Come on, Rogie. We're going to call on her. <laughs> We'll continue our story in just a moment. First, when you want to drive a nail, you can use the heel of your shoe or some other object, but you get better results with a hammer. So when you want to remove dandruff, you get the best results by using a product made especially for that purpose. Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Fitch is the only shampoo made whose guarantee to remove dandruff is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. It removes dandruff effectively and quickly because its special solvent action dissolves the dandruff, both the loose dandruff and the dandruff clinging to the scalp. To get the full benefit of this solvent action, you should always apply Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo to the hair and scalp before adding water. Then apply water only after the shampoo has been massaged thoroughly into the hair and scalp. When you do add water... A fluffy lather forms to cleanse the hair of the dissolved dandruff. Try this method of attaining shining clean dandruff-free hair. Use Fitch, F-I-T-C-H, Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo regularly. Now back to Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. It isn't very often that I get tangled up in a case with no more money in it than a busted piggy bank. I operate on the theory that a boy's best friend is a dollar. I didn't know the recently dead Matt Webb from Gunga Den, but there I was in Urban's homicide sedan on my way out to play quiz with Mrs. Webb. During the ride, Urban gave me a quick rundown on the events surrounding Matt Webb's murder. Webb was a very wealthy man, you know, Rogie. Big manufacturer, farm machinery. Well, he couldn't have been very smart or else he wouldn't have been parked up in the Hollywood Hills. That's volunteering for a stick-up. Yeah. What's the widow look like? His daughter. 
No, I guess she's not quite that young, but uh, oh, what the beauty parlor and the foundation can do to keep her young has been done. Very pretty woman. She looks about 30, probably 35. Mm. By the time we get back down to headquarters, we'll know more about her and everything else in the case. Oh, I'd like to get it over with. I want to go on my vacation. I'm sick of murders. <laughs> So this is the way the other half lives, huh? Hmm. Must have taken a lot of fire machinery to plop enough dough for this monstrosity. Well, Webb had a million or two. It ain't hay. Now, uh, I'll do the questioning, Rogue. I'm in charge of the case, you know. Well, sure, 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 sure. I'm just a silent partner. Ring the bell. Thank you, I will. Yes? Police. I want to see Mrs. Webb. Oh, uh, come in. Thank you. Well, go ahead, Irvin. Go ahead. She's in here. My name is Fred Gale. I was sales manager for Matt, uh, Mr. Webb. Lieutenant Irvin, homicide. This is uh, Richard Rogue. Oh, I'm glad to know you, Gale. Would you mind telling me why... Shut uh... up, Rogue. Huh? Well, I... Shut up! Oh, all right. All right. Uh, right in here, please. Well, Mrs. Webb, these gentlemen from homicide want to talk with you. Why must you talk to me right now? I have nothing more to say. Uh, Mrs. Webb... Richard Rogue here tells me that you called on him last night, uh, attempted to hire him to check on the disposition, the disposition which your husband made of a fur coat. Yes, I did. I didn't tell you about it this morning because I didn't consider it important. Well, uh, Miss Webb, Rogue. Hmm? Now, Mrs. Uh. Webb, every detail is important in the investigation of a homicide. Whom do you suspect of receiving the coat? Uh, look, Lieutenant, I hate to get into this. Mr. Gale, if you please, this is my affair. Matt Webb was my best friend. With you, Mrs. Webb, had been a little more understanding. There's no little... time to fight with me. Maybe we could organize this conversation a little bit. You huh? stay out of it, Rogue. This is a murder investigation. Now listen, all of you. Oh, just a minute, just a minute, Irvin. Look, Mrs. Webb, how about telling us a little more about the home life of you and your husband? Rogue, if you don't shut up, I'm going to throw you out of this investigation. Oh, just a minute. Gail, uh, weren't, you at Matt, weren't you with Matt Webb at the Club Cuba last night? Yes, I had dinner with him there. Then you must have known uh, who he was with and what he did later. I have no idea what he did later in the evening. I left him a little after eight. At that time, his plans were to go home. At least that was my understanding. Well, maybe you'll feel more like talking a little later, Gail. You can go now. Well, you can get me at the office anytime you want me. Okay. Uh, better fix that cold. Now, uh, Mrs. Webb... You seem to think that your husband was involved with some woman. Of course he was. That's how he got killed. To whom do you think he gave the fur coat? To his secretary, Helen Damon. He's been in love with her for the last year. She's been making a perfect fool of him. Mm, Helen Damon. We'll have a talk with her. Lieutenant Irvin dropped me by my office, and I took pen and racing form in hand and managed to forget all about killings not made at Hollywood Park until noon when I left and met Betty Callahan at the Brown Derby. She was as full of information as a Chamber of Commerce brochure. Richard, I want you to come with me to the jail. I want you to talk with Helen Damon. Web secretary, why? I feel so sorry for her. Those homicide detectives have been grilling her all morning, and she's so tired and discouraged. Well, wait a while, Hmm. Does it look like Helen did the job? Well, yes. A man showed up at the police station this morning and he said he saw a girl in a tweed coat with a tuxedo collar run down out of the hills last night and drive away in a Chrysler coupe, a blue one. 
just about the time of Webb's murder. And in the same locality. And Helen Damon has a coat like that and drives a blue Chrysler Coupe, right? Yes. But, Richard, I don't think she did it. Oh, just because she has big brown eyes, I suppose. Look, baby, cops don't make many mistakes. What did they find out about the gun? Well, it was a thirty-eight revolver that Mr. Webb kept in his desk at the office. There were no fingerprints on it. It was, uh, it was found in the weeds a little way from where the car was parked. Look, Betty, Betty, honey, you're a newspaper reporter, not an investigator. So why don't you let the police take care of finding the killers? If Helen Damon did it, she'll get the book. If she didn't, she'll be okay. Hasn't she got any alibi for the time of the crime? No, she hasn't. Oh, you have to go down there and talk to her. I promised her you would. Oh, now, what business have you promising anybody that I'll take their case? Looks to me like this Helen Damon is as guilty as Engelbach. I don't want to get mixed up in a case like that. I should have known that's the way you'd look at it. Just because she doesn't have much money to pay you. But, baby, that's got nothing to do with it. I have a couple of hundred dollars. I can pay you. I want to see that Helen Damon gets a fair deal. Now, look, Betty. I'm not going to get mixed up in this case. That's final. You understand? Rogue, to see Helen Damon. I'll give you ten minutes, Rogie. Thanks, Olson. Hello there, Miss Damon. Betty Callahan, the reporter, told me you were expecting me. I don't see how you can do me any good, Mr. Oak. They've already decided that I did it. Nothing I can do to convince you. Well, I, uh, I know about the partial identification. Now, suppose you tell me where you were at the time the crime was committed. All right. Last night at 9 o'clock, within a few minutes of 9 anyway, I, I got a call from Mr. Webb. I don't think it was Mr. Webb now, but I thought it was then. He asked me to meet him at his office. Said he had some important letters he had to get out at once. Was he in the habit of having you work at night? No, but it didn't seem unreasonable to me. Mm -hmm. So I put on my coat and went down to get in my car, which was parked in the parking lot next to my apartment building. Mm -hmm. Just as I got into the car, somebody grabbed me from behind and held a cloth over my face. It was chloroform. When I came to, about three hours later, I was in my car. My coat was thrown over me. The car was back in the parking lot, and it had been driven about 15 miles. I know because I had it serviced yesterday, and the service record is on the dash. You live in Hollywood? Yes. Oh. Oh, well, that's just about right for a drive to the Hollywood Hills. You're going to have trouble convincing a jury with a story like that. Now, look, Helen, I, uh, I'm your friend. Is that story the truth? Yes. Yes, it is, Mr. Rogue. I know you don't believe me. Nobody does. You haven't the slightest idea what happened between 9 o'clock last night and midnight, right? Yes, that's right. There's no way in the world I can prove I'm telling the truth. I couldn't figure out why anybody would do anything like that to me. I got up this morning and went to work. I, I didn't say anything to anybody because I... You uh, live alone? Yes. Now, uh, Helen, I, I want you to be frank with me. Uh, were you uh, uh, overly friendly with Matt Webb? I liked him and admired him, that's all. Mrs. Webb seems to think it went a little further than that. Oh, it? no, no. I hardly knew him at all socially. He's taken me to dinner a few times, that's all. Oh, Mr. Rogue, do you think you can do anything to help me? I'm not a murderess. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tommy, do you know anything about a fur coat? A coat that Matt, Matt Webb bought for somebody, not his wife. No, I don't know anything about it. I haven't done anything wrong. 
Can you get me out of here, Mr. Rowe? I don't know. I don't know. You haven't got much of a case. I'll pay you. I have a little money saved. Oh, skip I... that. Skip that. I'm doing this as a favor to a friend. Are you, you sure you're on the level with me? I've told you everything I know. I didn't kill him. He was a fine man. When I left Helen Damon, I had a great inquisitiveness about a fur coat. I got in my car and fought all the other crazy California drivers to a standstill trying to park in front of Helen's apartment house. I got her apartment number off the register in the foyer and walked up one flight. The lock was easy pickings. I walked in, closed the door, and... Oh! Oh, I caught it right at the base of the skull. Like a turkey on the first Thanksgiving. My astral body left this world and floated up through eternity like a wisp of smoke. Only paler. I was so glad to see Cloud 8, my home away from home. I'm gladder to see Yugor, my alter ego. Yugor was sitting there on a used thunderbolt, his raisin-looking eyes sparkling with glee. <laughs> Hello, Rocky. Welcome home. You forgot to duck again, huh? Oh, let me sleep. I'm tired. Oh, you better snap out of it, Chiefy. You've got plenty of work to do. Yeah, yeah, I know it, but uh, I'll take care of it later. Go away. No, can't, Rogie. You need a talking to. You can't lay down on a job now. Come on, snap out of it. Oh, oh, my head. Betty Callahan got me into this. Uh, her and her hunches. You've got the same hunch, and you know it, Rogie. Oh, now you're reading my mind. Look, Midget. <laughs> Reading your mind. Look, Chiefy, I am your mind. Hmm. And I'm telling you to get downstairs. You've got work to do. Oh, later. Now, over you go, Rogie. Oh, stop pushing, Hugo. I'm not well. Over you go. Back to work. So long, Rogie. <laughs> See, what kind of a detective are you, anyway? Now, take it easy. What were you doing here in Helen Damon's apartment? I wasn't doing anything. I, uh, I just opened the door and somebody let me have it. What were you looking for up here? Oh, I got a little bit inquisitive. Oh, why? Well, I, uh, I'd had a talk with Helen Damon and she didn't know anything about a fur coat. <laughs> That's funny. What's funny about it? We just got a murder indictment against Helen Damon. Oh, well, that's a long way from conviction. Mm-hmm. And when I was up here this morning, there was no fur coat in that closet. Yeah? There's a fur coat in that closet now, Rogie. Peculiar, isn't it? We'll return to our story in just a moment. 
First, every woman can have beautiful hair. So it's a shame for any woman to put up with dull, dandruff-flecked hair when she could bring it back to its glorious natural beauty with regular use of Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. There are several reasons why Fitch makes an ideal beauty treatment for all colors and textures of hair. For this clear amber liquid shampoo foams into mountains of rich, cleansing lather. And while it's cleansing, Fitch shampoo is also reconditioning your hair, giving the hair strands more vigor and elasticity, and leaving them with a lovely, silky sheen. Then, Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo is completely soluble in water and rinses out easily, leaving no dull film to mar the luster and dancing highlights of your hair. Next time, ask for an economical bottle of Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo at your drug or toilet goods counter. Or have a professional application at your barber or beauty shop. Now back to Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. Assorted and unrelated facts were whirling around in my massive intellect like neutrons around an atom. And they were, they were just as, as much explosive in them as I could get, if I could get them properly under control. Holy Christ. I got away from Urban and decided to drive out for a visit with Mrs. Matt Webb. As I pulled up in the same block with the Webb house, I saw Mrs. Webb get into her car and drive away. I followed her over Coldwater Canyon and out into the valley. When she pulled into the driveway of an early suburban white ranch house, I parked up the street. She went in. I took a look at the mailbox in front of the house. The name on that mailbox was F.R. Gale. I got that old familiar chill in the region of my solar plexus. I'd lucked into something and I knew it. I worked my way around to the rear of the house as quiet as fallen snow. The back door was unlocked. I pushed a foot it in, flowed up to the doors between the dining room where I was and the living room where Fred Gale stood talking with Mrs. Manuel. Well, Marsha, may I be the first to congratulate you on that performance you gave for Lieutenant Urban and Rogue tonight? You did very well yourself, Fred. Now, suppose you tell me what you're doing out here. Why, well, I had to see you. I needed a little moral support from you, Fred. Yeah, I know. But this is the craziest thing you could have done, Marsha. Well, you don't act as though you're very glad to see me. Now, look, Marsha, we've gone to a lot of trouble to cover up the fact that we're friends, haven't we? Friends? Is that what we are? Oh, friends? You know I love you, Marsha. It's only that so much depends on us being smart just a little while longer. How do you know you weren't followed? You'll have us both in jail for murder. We've been smart so far. Why ruin it? They don't suspect us. They have a murder indictment against Helen Damon. Aren't you going to kiss me, Fred? Come here, sweetheart. They kissed and then held it. I reached my gun out of my shoulder holster and readied myself for the pinch, but something held me back. You can call it second sight or luck or anything you like, but I couldn't move my feet, and while I was debating, they broke it up and started talking again. It was a very interesting conversation. Everything's going to be wonderful for us now, isn't it? Sure. You'll just stay away from me a little while until a case is settled. Everybody's forgotten the murder. Darling, we'll always be sure of each other, won't we? Of course. Oh, Fred, I know I'm silly, but I worry. I don't know what I'd do if I ever lost you. I want you to 
do something for me? Promise me that you will? Okay. I'll do anything for you, Marcia. If you'll only promise you'll be a good girl and get out of here and stay away from me until everything's all right again. You've got to be smart, baby. I'll stay away. If you'll just help me. I want you to write a note like this one I've written. Read it. Confession. I alone, unassisted, killed Matt Webb. Signed, Marsha Webb. Marsha, this is utter nonsense. If we can't trust each other now, no. we... I want you to write a note like that in your own handwriting and give it to me. And I'll give you my confession and you give me yours. Then we know that nothing can ever separate us. You and I. Oh, it's a stupid thing to do. Tear that note up. What if it got into the wrong it hands? Won't. Sit down here and write me one like it. Then I'll know that everything's all right. She kissed him then and walked with him over to the desk, talking love all the way. She got a pen and some paper. She stood behind him with her arms around his neck as he started to write. I saw her free hand come up with a gun in it. As he finished the note, she placed the gun an inch from his temple, and I moved. Gail, duck! You... You shot me. He shot me. Rogue, yeah. You should be awfully glad to see me, Gail. In about another minute, you'd, you'd have been a suicide, and your girlfriend here would have been a wealthy widow. Don't believe him. Don't believe him. It's a lie. Oh, skip it, Mrs. Webb. Look, Gail, you see that gun your lovely co collaborator dropped? Uh, Marcia. If I hadn't put that slug through her shoulder, she was going to put one through your head, sucker. She was slipping you the kiss of death. He's lying, Fred. He's lying. Why, you were... You were going to kill me. Sit down, Gail. You... Sit down. I'm running the show from here on out, and the little lady has a reserved seat in the gas chamber. Well, it didn't take much to convince Gail that Marcia's plan to kill him and leave the gun in his hand as he slumped over the desk. The note she asked him to write would have sensed his death as remorseful suicide. And Mrs. Webb would have had all of Matt Webb's money and a dead accomplice. She would have been as safe as an odds-on bet that Dick Tracy catches shoulders. Gail admitted his part in the plot to murder Webb and frame the innocent Helen Damon for the crime. And Gail got away with life. Marcia paid the full charge in the gas chamber. Oh, well, I... I've always said that there should be a little editing done on that old saying. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> the last word should be deleted. Present company accepted, of course, ladies, but uh, you men, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> This is Dick Powell again, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed our story tonight. Ray Buffum wrote it. Leith Stevens composed and conducted the music in D. Engelbach, produced and directed. Be with us again next Sunday, will you? We have a story for you about a summer resort, a lovely girl, and some newspaper clippings about a murder. We call it Cabin on the Lake. Must be a floating cabin. Thanks for listening, and now here's Jim Doyle. Listen again next week at this same time to hear Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. By the way, Dick will next be seen in his newest Columbia picture, Johnny O'Clark. Laugh a while, let a song be your style, you spitch. 
between Fitch shampoos, you can keep your hair shining and manageable by using a few drops of Fitch's Ideal Hair Tonic every day. Fitch's Ideal Hair Tonic is not sticky or greasy, yet it gives your hair that well-groomed look. That's it for Case Closed this week. There's more from the FBI in Peace and More, Rogues Gallery, Case Closed, and all the other Relic Radio shows at relicradio.com. Got a shoutcast stream there with even more old-time radio. Lots to listen to. If you'd like to help support it all, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of those links on the website. Your support makes it all happen and has for 16 years. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed.